What is up, everybody? It is JT Sports. I am back to you guys with another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. And on this episode, I'm here with my college football week six preview and prediction. We had a incredible weekend of college football last week. There were a lot of good games and there are going to be a lot of good games this week week six we have arkansas taking on old miss texas and oklahoma in the red river shootout we have penn state and iowa in my game of the week and lastly we're going to be talking about georgia going on the road to take on auburn now if this is your first time tuning in to the jt sports podcast Welcome. Make sure that you follow me on my social media platforms. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at JT Sports underscore. Once again, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at JT Sports underscore. And if you haven't already, make sure that you are subscribed to my YouTube channel, which is JT Sports. We have number 13 ranked Arkansas taking on Ole Miss, who currently is ranked 17th in the nation. Both of these two teams suffered their first losses of the season. Arkansas got steamrolled by Georgia 37-0, and Ole Miss got shellacked by Alabama. Even though Ole Miss was able to put up some points after halftime, it still was a pretty demoralizing defeat. Now, I have to give a lot of credit to Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin is my favorite head coach in college football right now because I love the gusto that he showed last week against Alabama. Even though they lost, he went for it a lot on fourth down. And one thing that Ole Miss was not was intimidated, okay? Like, I've never seen a coach so confident in his team and to be able to go for it on fourth down against Alabama. And although it didn't really pay off in the end, they still ended up losing the game. Like, I have a lot of respect for Lane Kiffin. And I know that there are a lot of people out there who are trolling Lane Kiffin because of the popcorn comments that he made and whatnot. But I have a lot of respect and admiration for what Lane Kiffin did going for the amount of times that he did on fourth down that shows you that he has confidence in his, in his team he was playing to win not playing to lose too many times I see coaches in these big games instead of going forward on fourth down they just decide to punt the football and I really feel like when you do that there are certain situations that I just feel like you should just go for it on fourth down no matter the distance like if it's fourth and one fourth and two I don't care if I'm inside my own 10 yard line I'm going for it on fourth down like to be the team like Alabama you're going to have to take some chances you're going to have to take some risk and sometimes they're going to pay off and sometimes they're not going to pay off and that's something that I love about Lane Kiffin he's not afraid to roll the dice even if it doesn't end up resulting in the result that he wants I still admire coaches who are willing to take risk so I love Lane Kiffin for that. The game that he coached last week, even though, you know, Ole Miss still lost by a pretty big margin, still have a lot of respect for what Lane Kiffin did last week. And if you're an Ole Miss Rebels fan, you should love the fact that you have Lane Kiffin as your head coach right now. Now for Arkansas, 
My beloved Razorbacks, man, came up really short against Georgia last week. I mean, the game wasn't even close. And that is the first game I've witnessed Arkansas all year get just manhandled up front. And I didn't think that Georgia was going to be able to come in and just impose the will on Arkansas the way they did. But boy, was I wrong, boy. Oh, my God. Arkansas didn't even touch 100 yards running the football. And that's something that is a staple of this Arkansas offense. They have a lot of good running backs. You look at the dual threat ability of K.J. Jefferson. But Arkansas couldn't get nothing going last week. So the biggest factor that I'm interested in seeing this game is going to be whoever loses this game is going to be on a two-game losing streak. And when you look at Arkansas, you have a really difficult schedule in the month of October. Like, you have a lot of tough games. And the big key for these two teams going in is going to be you can't let Alabama or Georgia beat you twice. Oftentimes, when a team loses to Alabama or Georgia in dominating fashion, they lose the following week because that loss is kind of still stuck in their head mentally, okay? Like, when you play a team like Georgia and Alabama, they don't just beat you physically on the field. They beat you mentally, okay? Arkansas got mauled over. Ole Miss got mauled over. So, I'm trying to see which team is going to be able to win this game and not let Alabama or Georgia beat them for a second week in a row mentally. Because when you play a team that's just so tough and just manhandles you, like, it kind of can leave a long-lasting impact. It kind of can take you a couple of weeks to shake back from that loss. Now, how healthy is K.J. Jefferson for Arkansas? Now, we don't know just how healthy K.J. Jefferson was going into that Arkansas game, because well, that Georgia game, because he was a little bit banged up from the previous week's game and whatnot. So I want to see just how healthy is he going to be. Is he a little bit more healthier in this game than what he was last week against Georgia? We don't really know. Now, Arkansas is coming off the worst rushing performance of the season. Like I mentioned earlier, they only we had 75 rushing yards on the ground against UGA last week. You're looking at an old Miss defense that surrendered 210 rushing yards against Alabama. Brian Robinson, man, he basically had his way with that old Miss defense. I mean, he had 36 carries for 171 rushing yards and four touchdowns. Like, he pretty much owned Old Miss. And Old Miss hasn't really been that great against the run for this season. So, I'm looking at Arkansas. This is definitely a game that they should be able to get that running game back on track. And on top of that, I feel like Arkansas has a slight advantage up front on both sides of the football. I'm not saying that Ole Miss offensive line is bad. I'm just saying when you look at Ole Miss, I just feel like Arkansas kind of has the matchup in terms of how they stack up against Ole Miss in the trenches. I think Arkansas has a better defensive line than Ole Miss, and I still believe that Arkansas has one of the best offensive lines in college football, despite what we saw last week. Now, Ole Miss offensive line isn't bad. Don't get that confused. Don't try to misconstrue my words. I'm saying when you think of Ole Miss, Ole Miss is a team that likes to get you out to the perimeter. We're not really knowing Ole Miss for having dominant play inside of the line of scrimmage and whatnot. So I definitely feel like Arkansas has a better matchup in the trenches than what they did last week against Georgia because, 
Man, Georgia's defensive line is different, man. I, I just have to say that. That dude, number 99 for Georgia, what his name is, Jordan Davis, that dude is a freaking monster, bro. Like, I've never seen somebody who would get off, get off their block, and then cover the edge from the defensive tackle position. He's like Aaron Donald, but a lot bigger, man. Like, that dude is a freak. Oh, Miss doesn't have those kind of athletes on the defensive line. Now... Arkansas's offense struggled a lot last week in fairly long situations, which I definitely feel like can play into the hands of Ole Miss. Even though their defense isn't the greatest, I really felt like this offense couldn't really get anything going when they got possessed with third down situations where they have to throw the football. Normally, Arkansas wants to run the football, win on early downs, and be in situations in third downs that you don't really know what they could do. They could either run or they could pass, but when you put them in obvious passing situations, it's kind of a disadvantage. So I want to see if they continue to struggle on those third and long situations where they have to throw the football or are they going to be able to win on those situations and it's the old Miss defense going to come up short. Now, despite the deficit of a loss that Ole Miss had last week against Alabama. Matt Corral played really good last week. He was 21-29 for 213 passing yards, one touchdown. Is Ole Miss going to be able to get this passing game going? Because Matt Corral, to me right now, looks to be the best quarterback ever in the SEC right now. So I think that we could expect him to have a really big game if he's able to get significant time throwing the football. And lastly, Ole Miss, we know that their defense isn't probably going to pitch a shutout. We know their defense is going to surrender some points. They're going to give up a lot of yards. My question is, is Ole Miss going to be able to get some key stops on defense? That's when it comes down to it. Can Ole Miss get a big stop on third down and goal in the third quarter, per se? Could they get a big stop earlier in the game? Could they force a key turnover? Those are the kind of stops I'm looking for out of Ole Miss. I don't need them to pitch a shutout. I don't need them to force Arkansas to continue to go three and out. All I need for this defense is to make some big plays at critical moments during this matchup. Now, another underrated thing that a lot of people aren't talking about is that Arkansas got outplayed on the special teams and the things when it comes to Georgia because Arkansas the majority of the time when they had the ball on offense they didn't really have great field position most of the time so I want to see how this Arkansas team is going to perform when it comes to how and where they get the ball because there were some times when they were backed up deep in their own territory sometimes so the field position battle wasn't in their favor Georgia special teams definitely was a huge reason for why the score was so one-sided so I want to see a better performance out of the Arkansas special teams this week they also left some field goals on the off the board also which even though the score was you know really one-sided you know at that point of the game, I really feel like those three points that they left off the board could have affected the game a little bit in terms of how they were approaching and how their game plan was. Now, the team I'm taking the win, I'm taking Arkansas to bounce back and get the victory. I like Ole Miss, but I feel like Arkansas is the better team up front, and I feel like Arkansas is going to win this game. 31 to 20 is my final score prediction. I think they're going to win this game by at least 10 points or more. And the reason for that is because I don't have a lot of confidence in Ole Miss run defense. And 
I feel like Ole Miss is going to be able to score some points, but I still feel like Arkansas is going to be able to get back to playing the style of football they want to, being able to run the ball with the talented group of running backs they have, being able to take time off the clock, and be able to maul you up front. And I think that's what's going to happen this game. So to give me Arkansas 31-20, to 20, you guys let me know who you guys have winning this game down in the comment section down below if you're watching this on YouTube. My game of the week, we have number fourth ranked Penn State currently 5-0 on the year going on the road to take on the Iowa Hawkeyes who are currently ranked third in the nation according to the AP Top 25 poll. They're also undefeated on the year. This game is going to be played on Fox 4 p.m. Eastern Time kickoff. Iowa is a two-point favorite in this game. Now, many people last week thought that Iowa was going to be on upset alert against Maryland. And as a matter of fact, there were a lot of people who picked Maryland to get the upset. And we saw how that went. We saw how that went. A lot of turnovers later, Iowa was walking out of Maryland with a big victory. They put 50 points on Maryland. Now, a lot of people, when you look at this Iowa team, they keep saying they're not going to be able to sustain having turnovers every single game. There's going to come a game where this defense is going to be able to force any turnovers at all. And there will be a time when Iowa's defense isn't going to be able to force a turnover. There will be a game when Iowa's defense doesn't force a takeaway. But in this game, I do think they're more than capable of being able to come away with a good amount of turnovers in this game. Even though you're facing a Penn State football team that is really good when it comes to taking care of the football. Penn State is 7th in the nation in turnover margin. They don't give away the ball too often. And also, they're pretty underrated when it comes to their ability to force turnovers. They're 17th in college football in takeaways per game. So you're looking at Penn State. This defense is pretty underrated in a sense. I really like their linebackers. I like the backing of their secondary. Now, honestly, when you look at Iowa, Iowa is a team that I feel like a lot of people are kind of scrutinized because of how they're winning games. Everybody's just saying they play great defense, but JT, they don't have a good offense. Listen, you guys ever heard the saying, sometimes the best offense is a great defense? That's what I'm seeing with Iowa. They forced seven turnovers last week, six interceptions and a fumble. Now, we're probably not going to see them force seven turnovers this week against Penn State, but I definitely feel like this defense is more than capable of coming their way with an extra possession or two, and they're going to need it because this offense reminds me a lot of the Pittsburgh Steelers from 2019. Not just this offense, but this Iowa team reminds me a lot of the 2019 Pittsburgh Steelers. For those of you guys who don't watch a lot of NFL football, in 2019, the Pittsburgh Steelers lost their starting quarterback, Big Ben, really early in the season. And there were a lot of people who were saying that Steelers season was over. And the Steelers ended up going 8-8 and that year, almost made it into the playoffs. And the way they did that was because they had a phenomenal defense that was able to get a lot of stops, a lot of turnovers, and they were able to put the offense in positions to put points on the board. And that's what this Iowa defense does really good. Even when they don't come away with turnovers, they're really good at making sure that the Iowa offense has a short field to work with. And when you look at his Iowa offense, Iowa's offense either has a big one-play touchdown or they're going three and out. 
And I was offense is really abysmal. Like you could, I was offense could come on the field and you could literally go get you something to eat from the kitchen, come back and they're punting the football. Now their quarterback, Spencer Petras has played pretty solid over the last couple of games but Hawkeye fans know that this offense is really nothing to write home about you don't really have a dynamic group of wide receivers your offensive line is decent but Tyler Goodson they're a talented running back one of the best running backs in America is the guy who you want to get the football to and you probably want to make sure that he's able to get somewhere between 25 to 30 touches in this game because if I was going to win this game not only is it going to be won by great defense but you're probably going have to put the ball in Tyler Goodson's hands a lot. Now, when I look at Penn State, I'm interested in seeing a matchup of their wide receivers like Jahan Dotson, who currently has 35 receptions, 446 receiving yards, and six touchdowns. Parker Washington against the secondary and defensive backs of Iowa, because I think that's going to greatly determine who's going to be able to win this game, because Iowa's defense is phenomenal. And Penn State kind of is one-dimensional because they haven't really been able to establish the run game. So that means you're going to have to put the ball in the hands of Sean Clifford and you're going to be throwing the ball a lot. Now, Penn State fans are probably going to tell me, man, we're going to get the run game going in this game. Let's be honest. If you weren't able to get the run game going up, going at this point in the season, you most likely are never going to get the run game going at all. So I doubt that Penn State's going to struggle running the football for the whole entire year and just somehow magically be able to effectively run the football against the best defense or at least one of the five best defenses in America right now. Probably the best defense, depending on who you ask. I think Iowa's defense is better than Georgia's in terms of what they're able to do with, you know, forcing turnovers and how good they are against the run in the past. So I think it's really important in that the Penn State wide receivers are able to step up and get open for Sean Clifford because if this Iowa secondary is able to have another game that they had last week, then I definitely feel like Iowa has a 80% chance to win this game if you aren't able to have a lot of success passing the football. And that's pretty much what Penn State is. Penn State's kind of a one-trick pony. And I really feel like they're going to have to get Sean Clifford involved in the run game somehow. Like, they're going to have to find some way to be balanced because I just don't really feel like asking Sean Clifford to have to throw the ball 30 to 40 times to beat Iowa is a good recipe for success and I know you're probably going to be like well JT you just said that if we haven't been able to run the ball all season we're probably not going to be able to do that this game and you know yeah but I mean you still have to find some ways to get something going on the ground like you know at least keep the defense honest so I don't know if you got to try to get Sean Clifford a little bit more involved in the run game I don't know don't ask me you know I'm not the coach you know I'm just talking about the game and whatnot but you know they got to find some way to have some success on the ground. And I think that may involve getting some quarterback design runs with Sean Clifford. And he is a better athlete than what a lot of people give him credit for. He's not just a pure drop back passer. You know, he does have some mobility that he can pick up, you know, six or seven yards if you allow him to. So I really feel like they're probably going to have to get Sean Clifford involved in the run game to kind of keep that Iowa Hawkeyes defense off balance. Now, one thing that enough people aren't talking about when it comes to Iowa is that 
Iowa knows who they are as a football team. They have identity. They know their offense isn't great. They're going to run the football. They're going to take care of the football, and they're going to rely on their defense to win the game. And that's something that a lot of teams right now and this year's season of college football don't really have. They don't really know identity. They don't really know who they are. Alabama knows who they are. Georgia knows who they are. Iowa knows what they are as a football team, but the rest of the country doesn't really know who they are. They're still searching for their identity. For example, Oklahoma. Oklahoma can't really utilize their personnel right. I think that their personnel utilization by Lincoln Riley hasn't really been all that great. They're not really putting Spencer Rattler in good positions to succeed. And you look at Clemson. You know, Clemson doesn't know who they are. Iowa um, Ohio State is still searching for answers. You get what I'm saying? So when you look at Iowa, you have to give this team a lot of credit because this team plays to their strengths. They know they're not the best team offensively. So what do they do? They run the football. They try to take care of the football and they lean on that defense. Now, what is the worst case scenario that could go wrong if you're a fan of Penn State and Iowa? Well, if you're an Iowa Hawkeye fan, your biggest nightmare in this game is going to be what if your defense cannot come away with a turnover? Because if I was going to win this game, they're going to have to do it by forcing at least a turnover or two. But if they're not, I think they're going to be in a lot of trouble because your offense is pretty much dependent on how good the defense performs. Because if the defense is able to force the opposing team to go on three and out, then they're going to most likely get the ball back and they're going to be in good field position. But if your defense can't even force a turnover, there's going to come a point when your offense is going to have to be able to sustain the drive. Because eventually, if you can't score and you can't sustain drives, your defense is going to continue to be coming back on the field. And eventually, they're going to get tired and they're going to get gassed. So if Iowa can't force a turnover... Our Hawkeye fans should panic because then that means that your offense isn't going to be in good field position. That means your offense eventually is going to have to get something going because if this defense has to continue to come back on the field and the offense continues to go through it now and not do anything and waste possessions, then that's where the defense probably could end up getting a little bit tired, a little bit worn down, and that's where we could see Penn State start to take advantage. Now, if you're a Penn State fan, your worst nightmare is going to be having multiple turnovers against this Iowa team because this Iowa team, like I said... Forcing seven turnovers isn't luck. A lot of people keep trying to tell me, JT, Iowa cannot sustain forcing turnovers every single game. Yes, they can. I mean, basically... By you telling me that Iowa's style of defense isn't sustainable, forcing turnovers every week isn't something that they can continue to do, isn't sustainable, I think you're kind of saying that, you know, Iowa's defense forcing turnovers is kind of luck and not skill. You don't force seven turnovers by luck. That is the skill. Iowa's defense forcing turnovers is a skill that they're really good at. This is a really good defense. They're really aggressive, and they know when to go for the ball, and they know when to be aggressive, and they know also where they're at on the field at all times. They're also really high awareness for a lot of players on this Iowa Hawkeyes defense. You know, they have high awareness. They have high football IQ. They know the proper positions to be at all times. So I don't really think that Iowa forcing turnovers is, you know, something that can't be sustainable like how a lot of people try to make it out to be like, you don't force seven turnovers by fluke and it's not luck. You get what I'm saying? Like, 
I don't care who you play. I don't care if it is Maryland. I don't care if you force seven turnovers against an FCS school. The force seven turnovers is really impressive. So for Penn State, if you have two turnovers, two turnovers in this game, you're going down. Because you cannot afford to give this Iowa team any extra possessions. And you can't afford to give a struggling offense extra possessions or extra field position. Because when you have an offense that's struggling, you don't want to help them out. You want to force them to drive the length of the field. You don't want to give them a short field. You don't want to throw an interception and then they only have to go 30 yards to get a field goal or to get a touchdown. You want to force Iowa's offense to drive down the field. So for Penn State, if you have two or three turnovers in this game, you're going to lose this game. Now, good thing is that you don't really turn the football over that much. So I think this is a really interesting game, man. Like, I think this is going to be a really tightly contested contest. We're probably not going to get a lot of points put on the board. It's going to come down to the fourth quarter. It's probably going to be like a 13-10 game, 13-7. We may see a couple of big plays here and there. But this game is going to be really tight. It's going to be physical. And I'm probably going to have to take Iowa. And this is a big surprise because normally I'm not somebody who picks teams who wins with a lot of defensive football because eventually you're going to have to be able to sustain some drives and get something going offensively. But I really feel like I was going to be able to force a couple of takeaways in this game. And I know Penn State doesn't turn the football over that often, but this Iowa defense is really good at stripping the ball away from you, taking the ball away from you. And you have a really aggressive secondary, a really good secondary. And Penn State is one-dimensional. If Penn State was balanced and they could actually have some success running the football, I would take them to win this game. But for Penn State, they're pretty much a one-trick pony. All they really can do is throw the football. And I really feel like asking Penn State to throw the football in this game is playing into the strength in the hands of this Iowa team. So give me Iowa to win this game. 24-214 is my final score prediction in this game. I'm taking the Hawkeyes. Next up, we have the Red River Shootout. We have 21st ranked Texas, 4-1 on the year, taking on 6th ranked Oklahoma, who is 5-0. Oklahoma is a 3.5 point favorite in this game. This game is going to be played on ABC with a 3 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. Oklahoma is surviving this year. Okay, right now, you ever play a boxing game or a UFC game. And you know, when you almost knock somebody out, they get all groggy, you know, and you're looking for the final knockout blow. And then somehow they're just able to bounce back. That's what I see out of Oklahoma right now. I see Oklahoma groggy, you know, they're on the ropes. It's just a matter of time before the right team comes in and delivers that devastating right hook to put them out of their misery. The question is, is Texas that team who's going to deliver that final right hook and put Oklahoma down for the count? Now, Bajan Robinson, man, has been playing at a Heisman caliber level. Last week against TCU, 35 carries for 216 rushing yards and two touchdowns. Texas offense runs through Robinson. Now, the thing is that Oklahoma's run defense has been really solid this year okay so Oklahoma's run defense is allowing 90 point 
eighth rushing yards per game, which is currently 14th in the nation at 2.9 yards per carry. So you're looking at Texas. I think that Oklahoma probably is going to go all in on trying to stop Robinson and then force Texas to have to beat them through the air. Now, I like Casey Thompson. Okay, I definitely feel like he's the best quarterback on Texas roster. He gives him the best chance to win, which is all, which is pretty much the reason why he's the starting quarterback right now. But the wide receivers for Texas haven't really been that consistent. You know, there's been some drops. There's been some miscommunication there. Like, I really feel like wide receiver hasn't really been a strength of this Texas team. But you are facing a Oklahoma secondary that isn't the greatest per se. So maybe the wide receivers could have some success. But really, you if you're going to win this game, I think it's going to come down to Casey Thompson's ability to run the football with his legs. Okay, I really feel like if Robinson gets shut down early, you're going to have to be able to get some design quarterback runs and make sure that Thompson can use his legs because you still have to be effective in this game running the football to keep this Oklahoma defense off balance. Now, Spencer Rattler hasn't really played up to the level of hype that a lot of people were giving him before the season began. Everybody was already ready to to crown him the Heisman Trophy winner. Oklahoma had all these lofty preseason expectations. And so far, this team hasn't really played like it, okay? Like, the defense has bailed them out in a couple of games, especially against West Virginia. But, I mean, the offense isn't really clicking. And I really feel like Lincoln Riley hasn't really done the best with utilizing the players that he has on this offense. I don't really feel like his play calling has been all that great. I really feel like he could be doing some different things. It's like Oklahoma doesn't really have an identity on offense. And I know it's weird for me to call out Lincoln Riley's play calling because Lincoln Riley is essentially the best offensive-minded coach in college football. But I really feel like the play calling from him this year hasn't really been all that great. The rain game hasn't really been all that great. You're 84th in the country in rushing yards per game. And the offensive line simply hasn't been there. When it comes to pass protection, when it comes to run blocking, you're not setting up holes. So really... You look at a Texas team that their defense has some holes in the secondary, and I don't really think they have all that great of a pass rush. So I definitely feel like Oklahoma's offense should click in this game. And if this offense struggles in this game, then I would be severely surprised. But when you look at Spencer Rattler, like, I think... The problem with Spencer Rattler isn't the talent. I think the problem with Spencer Rattler is the problem that a lot of these new up-and-coming quarterbacks have is that they have that Patrick Mahomes syndrome. You have too many quarterbacks now who try to play backyard football instead of just trying to take what the defense gives them. And I feel like oftentimes that's what gets Spencer Rattler in trouble is that sometimes he tries to do too much. He tries to be the hero. He tries to be the playmaker. And that ends up costing Oklahoma. So I want to see Spencer Rattler take care of the football in this game. No turnovers. I want to see him play a clean game. And if he's able to do that, then I think Oklahoma definitely has a good chance to win because I feel like Texas defense isn't all that great when you look at the back end, when you look at corner, there's some issues there. So I really feel like that this is a game that could be the turning point for OU's offense, that if this was a game that 
if Oklahoma fans had circled on the calendar where everything could finally click on offense, I really feel like this could be that game. Now, for Texas, man, like, I really question just how productive this offense can be if the rain game isn't going. And Oklahoma's run defense is pretty legit because they shut down Deuce Vaughn, and Deuce Vaughn is probably one of the more underrated running backs in America. They weren't really able to get much going Kansas State so I definitely feel like Oklahoma's run defense is going to show up in this game a lot of people are going to be like well Bonson Robertson is still going to get his he's still going to have a couple of big plays here and there but overall if you're Oklahoma you're okay with letting Robertson break off a 30 yard run you know here and there but if you're able to bother him up and he's only able to have three two big runs in this game overall then I think you should be feeling pretty proud of yourself if you're their defensive coordinator now I definitely feel like Oklahoma's going to win this game I'm going to pick them to win even though I still feel like it's only a matter of time before a team ends up delivering a knockout blow, the thing is, I really don't feel like it's Texas. Even though Texas is playing some of their best football right now, I still feel like they still have too many flaws on defense for me to pick them to win this game. Like, if Oklahoma's going to lose, I think it's going to be to a team that's really good defensively and is really sound defensively. And when I look at Texas, like, yeah, they're going to be able to put up points, but I don't know if they're deep defense is going to be able to show up and get key stops and you can say the same thing about Oklahoma you're probably going to be like well JT Oklahoma's defense isn't great and I understand that but Oklahoma's defense is great when it comes to stopping the run at least so at least they can force Texas to be one dimensional if it comes down to it so you also look at you know how the wide receivers for Texas have kind of played this year they've been kind of inconsistent they've been kind of up and down so I'm going to take Oklahoma to win I think this game is going to be going Oklahoma's way I'll say 45 to 28 well 45 to 30 is going to be my final score prediction in this game Texas is going to put up some points they're going to put up a lot of points they're going to put up a lot of yards but I really feel like this is a game that's going to be the turning point of Oklahoma season that we finally get to see that Oklahoma offense get things going offensively because Texas has a lot of holes and Texas may be the worst defensive team that Oklahoma has faced so far this year outside of Tulane and whoever else they played who was considered a cupcake school. Not saying Tulane's a cupcake school, but I really feel like over the last couple of weeks, Oklahoma has faced some pretty good defensive teams. I think Texas may be the worst defense they faced so far, and I don't care about the stats. I don't care about statistics. Like From what I've watched on film so far, what I watch watching the Big 12 teams play, like I really feel like Texas defense hasn't really been up to par. So so give me Oklahoma. Let me know who you guys have winning down in the comment section down below. The last game that we have to talk about, we have number two ranked Georgia, currently 5-0 on the year, going on the road to take on the 18th ranked Auburn Tigers, who are 4-1 so far. This game is going to be played on CBS with a 3.30 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. Georgia is a 14.5 point favorite heading into this game. So I want to talk about what Auburn has to do to win this game. Now, the first thing that has happened is that Bo Nix has to ball out. Now, last week against LSU, I feel like Bo Nix played the best game that I've ever seen him play in. 
And I watch a lot of Auburn football. I'm not an Auburn fan, anything like that. But I've been heavily critical of Bo Nix over the last couple of years, you know. But last week, I really felt like that was the best performance that I saw Bo Nix playing. Now, the wide receivers for Auburn haven't really been all that great. They got rid of their wide receivers coach. So, like, their wide receivers haven't really been good this year. But last week, Bo Nix was able to extend plays, give his wide receivers additional time to get open. I was really impressed, man. Like, Bo Nick's ability and his mobility was on full display. Like, you can see the talent and the potential flash when you watch Bo Nix play last week. Like, I was really impressed with what he did. I really feel like Bo Nix is at his best when he's forced to create. He reminds me a lot of Johnny Manziel. Remember Johnny Manziel when he was playing for Texas A&M? Every time things were going bad, he was able to find a way and turn a bad play into a positive play rather that be a two three yard pickup that's what some of the better quarterbacks in football are able to do the best quarterbacks are able to take a bad play and still able to pick up two three yards out of it and when you look at Bo Nix last week he was able to do that there were a lot of plays that should have resulted in you know negative yardage that he was still able to find something and get something going so for Bo Nix he's going to have to continue to play good football and he's gonna have to have another great game when he balls out because he's going against a Georgia defense that's simply unfair. Georgia has this defensive lineman. He he has number 99. I believe his name is Jordan Davis. Bro, this dude is unfair. Last week against Arkansas, Jordan Davis was getting off his brocks and running all the way out to the edge to stop these Arkansas outside rushing plays. Like, I was just really blown away. Like, I was like, bro, is this dude human? This dude is big as hell. He he reminds me a lot of Aaron Donald, but bigger, faster, and stronger. And that's scary, man. Like, I've never seen a defensive tackle who's not only able to just get off the block, but also chase down a run play. Like, this dude, Jordan Davis, is an absolute freak. He's not the only monster that Georgia has on defense. Like, Georgia doesn't have football players. They have monsters. They have freaks. And if you're Auburn... Okay, how are you going to head them yourself up front? Because if you can't win up front in the trenches, this game is already over. It's not even a point talking about this game. It's not even a point watching the game if Auburn can't handle themselves up front. Now, I'm not saying they have to play a spectacular game, but you have to be able to do enough that you can at least establish your offense and at least somewhat have somewhat of a rush attack. Okay, now a lot of people are going to be like, well, if Georgia shuts down Tank Big Speed, then it's over. Like, not completely true because you still have to account for the rushing ability of Bo Nix. Now, we saw what Georgia did against Arkansas last week, and Arkansas has a great group of running backs. You also have one of the best dual-threat QBs in the SEC in KJ Jefferson, and they absolutely stomped him. So you're probably saying, okay, why can't we do that against um, Auburn? And you very well can. So for Auburn, your offensive line is going to have to be able to handle themselves. And they're going to have to be able to sustain their blocks. Because, man, I know I know that that's a really difficult task, man. Georgia has freaks. They have freaks, man. So for Auburn, if you're going to have a chance of putting off this upset, man, like your offense is going to have to be able to handle themselves up front in the line of scrimmage, okay? That if you can't if you can't block these monsters that are in front of you, then the game's already over. Now, if you're able to do that, the next thing is going to be 
how successful can Auburn be running the football? Because the strength of Auburn's offense is the rushing attack. The weakness is if they have to beat you throwing the football. Not only because I don't really trust Bo Nix all that much of a passer, but I don't really trust his wide receivers also. His wide receivers have also let him down a lot. You have some drops. You... It's just a lot of inconsistencies with this passing attack. So I think it's really important that you establish the ground game with Tank Bixby, with Bo Nix. And on top of that, you know, not even just the ground game. You know, try to get the short passing game going. Try to get some bubble screens going. You know, try to get some half-ass screen plays going. You know, try to get some easy throws in there. Try to move the ball methodically because sometimes... A lot of people, when they play Georgia, they try to get these big plays, and they ultimately end up paying the price because they end up in third and long situations. Don't put yourselves in these third and long situations like Arkansas did because Arkansas was in a lot of obvious passing situations, third and 20s, third and 15s, where they had to throw the football like Try to pick up enough yardage that at least on third down, you are predictable. You could run the RPO. You could pass the football. You could do play action. You could run the football. Like, try to put yourselves in manageable third down situations. Because if you're in obvious passing situations, that Georgia defense is going to eat you up. Especially when you don't have wide receivers who can consistently win on the outside. Now... Can Auburn hang around in this game until the fourth quarter? That's the biggest question I was asking myself when Georgia played Arkansas. A lot of people, myself included, thought that Arkansas was going to be able to hang around to the fourth quarter, and Arkansas wasn't even able to hang around to the end of the first quarter. So for Auburn, can you put yourself in a position, in a position, in a situation going into the fourth quarter that you're only down by 10 points? That's where I'm looking at. Now, we don't know the status of JT Daniels. We don't really know what's going on. Kirby Smart at the time of recording this still hasn't really gave us all that much. It's pretty much day-to-day. So we still don't really know what's going on. But it's still expected that Stetson Bennett is going to get first-team reps. Now, if Stetson Bennett's the QB, we're probably going to see more of Georgia continuing that dominant ground game that they had last week. Auburn's run defense, however... It's pretty good. They're 17th in college football, rushing yards per game allowed. They're 16th in yards per carry allowed, 2.9. So I don't think that this is going to be a game that Georgia is going to be able to win with Stetson Bennett only throwing 11 passes. I feel like going against Auburn, they're still going to have to be able to, you know, get some things going in the passing game. And if you're an Auburn fan, you know, if you could have a better performance stopping the rain game of Georgia you should be feeling pretty confident if Stetson Bennett has to throw the ball 20 times because then you know Stetson Bennett he's not bad but when it comes to winning big games he's definitely not really your preferred quarterback per se especially on a tough hostile road environment in Auburn so I think that if you're Arkansas okay you weren't able to do that you weren't able to stop the rushing attack of Georgia, and you weren't able to force Georgia in situations where they had to throw the football. So if you're Auburn, you have to be able to try to win on the early downs, try to stop the run game early on first and second down, and try to force Georgia to have to get into situations where they have to beat you in third and long or an obvious third down passing situation, similar to what Georgia did to Arkansas last week. Another thing is that special teams is going to be 
be huge for Auburn because they need some big returns to put themselves in good field position. Last week, Georgia's special teams was really dominant because Arkansas had a lot of drives when they were backed up inside their own 20 and whatnot. So Arkansas pretty much had to go the length of the field if they wanted to put points up on the board. If you're Auburn, you're going to have to make sure that you have some big returns. You also can't afford to have no missed field goals because you're going to need every possession when it comes to Georgia. Even if JT Daniels doesn't play in this game, like you're still going to have to be able to come up and make sure that you're making the most out of your drives because Georgia probably is going to have success running the football on your defensive line, but you don't want them to run for almost 300 yards like how they did against Arkansas last week. I feel like if you're Arkansas, if you can hold Georgia to at least 150 yards on the ground, I feel like that's somewhat of a victory because 150 yards probably to me still shows that Georgia has to do some damage in the passing game, and I really feel like you're going to have to force Stetson Bennett to work like you just can't allow him to only throw 11 passes like he did last week and I'm not confident in Stetson Bennett being able to to beat this Auburn defense strictly by himself just throwing the football so I don't know what Auburn has to do I don't know if you want to stack the box or whatnot but I really feel like the focal point is going to have to be that rushing attack because if JT Daniels doesn't play then I don't really think that Stetson being that quarterback is going to scare anybody no disrespect you know he's okay but on the road in a tough environment like you feel pretty good but I'm still going to roll with Georgia to get the victory here um, I just don't really know if Auburn is going to be able to win the battle up front, man, because you got these monsters and these giants like Jordan Davis. Like, I don't even I don't even know how you block a guy like Jordan Davis. Like, what do you do? Do you try to quadruple team him? Do you, I don't even know what you try to do because you I don't even know how you I, I honestly don't know what to tell you, man. This dude Jordan Davis is something special, man. Like I never seen a D for the tackle that's able to not only get off his block going against the off the guard or center, but able to have enough speed to get out to the edge, man, and chase people down. Like that dude has a motor. He had, uh, I don't even know what to describe it, man, but I'm taking Georgia. Even though I do feel like Auburn would be a little bit more competitive in this game than what Arkansas was, but not by a lot. I still George I still feel like Georgia rolls in this game. I feel like Georgia's gonna win this game. Thirty-eight well, thirty-one to 14's my final score prediction in this game. I still think that Georgia's gonna cover, but I do feel like Auburn will at least put a couple of touchdowns on the board. But I just feel like Georgia is just way too much up front for Auburn. That's why I gotta take Georgia to win this game. So you guys let me know who you guys have winning this game down in the comment section down below. And I appreciate you guys for listening to this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Make sure that you go ahead and leave a five-star review. If you haven't, share the podcast on your social media platforms with your friends, family, and acquaintances. And I will see you guys shortly with another episode.